podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sorry, my computer had a technical fault at that second. But anyway, good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Same Old Arsenal podcast. Tonight, we have three extra special guests. I'm very excited to welcome Jacob, Carl and Selena to the Same Old Arsenal podcast. Welcome, guys. Good evening. Thank you. We had a bit of technical difficulty with Selena, so hopefully she's still here. Um, Carl hasn't got any headphones, so that's gone. We just don't have any headphones. Um, And Jacob's okay so far. So, good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Same Old Arsenal podcast. Welcome to everybody in the chat room. Um, Just to let you know that this is one of three podcasts we're doing in the next four days. Because a certain Mr. Declan Rice... (laughs) signed officially well we know he signed a while back but officially was announced yesterday tomorrow evening we've got an extra special podcast with my mate of the show Alan Algar and his mate Anthony Gow son of Tony Gow who is a football coach who uh, was Declan Rice's early years football coach and he will be on with me and Alan and Cookie at 8.30 tomorrow evening and then on Wednesday um Chris is back. Sorry, my brain went. Chris is back. And he's got the fabulous Dave Seeger and the wonderful Charles Watts. So we are spoiling you this summer. But let's just get to tonight. Let's let's just get to it. Jacob, welcome. Pleased that uh, you all agreed to come on. Um, I promise you I'm not scary and the people in the chat room are lovely. And straight away, look at this lovely comment from my mate David in America. Met Carl in Orlando. Ando last year on the summer tour, lovely guy. Hi, David. Hope you're well. <laughs> Isn't that lovely? That I love the fact that we're just so global. Um, and everyone's saying hello to everybody. And thank you for everyone in the chat room. Guys, as usual, please leave me your questions. I'm going to star them all and save them for, you know, a bit, late, a bit later on in the show um, to ask these lovely people. Let's start. Jacob. Um, born and bred in Northwest London, I'm assuming. Yeah. Are your family Arsenal? How did you become an Arsenal fan? Well, my dad's an Arsenal fan. He he's, he was an Arsenal fan since he was a kid. He grew up in South London, so he should have really been a, a Chelsea fan or Wimbledon fan, but he, he was an Arsenal fan. Um, unfortunately, he married a Spurs fan, um, but he, there was there was only one way I was going to go. So my mum is a Spurs fan. Um, but me, my sister, got converted pretty um, into being Arsenal fans by my dad. So I don't, I don't usually get dinner cooked after North London derby. Well, it depends on the score, but um, I have to make my own dinner if we win. Um, but usually, usually it's fairly cordial. Um, but yeah, I've been Arsenal fans since I was uh, for about five or six. I, I really just missed out on the Invincibles, which is a shame. But one of my earliest memories is probably um, that last season at Highbury. Um, and crying when we lost the Champions League final, experiencing my first football heartbreak, really. So, Dad obviously took you to Highbury. I didn't actually, no. Oh, he didn't. First season at Emirates was the first time I actually went to a game. Oh, Um, wow, okay. But was Dad at Highbury? He went, but he didn't have a season ticket. So, I think last season at Highbury is probably tough. 
but then it was tough to, to get in yeah yeah no it was but we have That's why they needed to move yeah. Similar stories, Jacob. My dad, my dad is mad Arsenal, married a Tottenham fan. So yeah. all my family are Tottenham, apart from one tiny section, us. Um, and obviously that's the best side of the family, but we'll move yeah. on from that. Um, so obviously similar, your father was an Arsenal fan, you became an Arsenal fan. I think that's the perfect way and the correct way to go. Um, Selena, you are from the south of the country. Um, massive into the Arsenal women's, which is great. So we'll get to that later as well. Um, and how did you become an Arsenal fan? Um, so, yeah, similarly, most of my family are Tottenham supporters, unfortunately. Um, but my stepdad was an Arsenal fan and his family bought me an Arsenal tracksuit for Christmas one year. And that was it. I was a gooner from then. So, Fantastic. yeah, it's, it's not well, so cordial for my family were? when we have the North London derby. I was six. <laughs> oh, all pretty young, weren't we? I was zero when I was an Arsenal fan. Trust me, I had no choice. No choice. Um, and so we move on to Cole. And for the first time, Cole, honestly, I'm not the oldest person on this podcast. Whoa. So you are so welcome. I'm always the oldest, whoever I bring on here. Um, well, Cole, um, north of the country, aren't you? But you travel to Arsenal for the games? I do. I do these days. Yes, I was... I was uh... Born in Northern Ireland, of all places, and uh, then was raised in North Lancashire. And in 1971, my mother had to buy me a football shirt for school. And money was tight, and she bought the cheapest one she could find in Lancaster, which just happened to have a red body, white sleeves, red cuffs. I ran onto the primary school football pitch, aged eight, not knowing what I was wearing. And there were Man United guys, uh, Liverpool, Blackpool, Burnley, Preston. And somebody went, what is that? And a lad called Stuart Towers came running up and said, oh, that's Arsenal. That's the best team. So out of sheer spite for Man United, Liverpool and Blackpool fans of the day, I became an Arsenal fan in the north of England. And that, of course, was the year we won the double. We, have a lot, we, had, a, we had a lot of Irish players, didn't we? I was brought up with a lot of the Irish players. Yeah. Well, it was an absolute honour to meet Liam Brady um, at one of the Gay Gunas events. And um, I also, from that same team, met Pat Rice and I've met um, Charlie George. So there's still a few I've got to get through. But um, it was uh, quite a good time to become an Arsenal fan. And of course, being a, a young little gay boy um, who didn't really want to play football, it was nice to see that the team that I was supporting very quickly went on to win the double. So there we go. <laughs> So you alluded to the gay gooners here, and I should have said actually at the beginning, a very recent miss of me, the three of you are members of the gay gooners. I know, I know, but I th this goes out on audio, Carl. They're not right. going to see your top, I'm no. afraid, uh, tomorrow <laughs> when they start listening to this or tonight. Um, so the gay gooners is a, a massive um, group at the Arsenal. I absolutely love you all. I love all Arsenal groups, to be honest. Um, I support everybody because I don't really care who you are, what you are. As long as you're an Arsenal fan, you're all right by me. Um, so, Cole, tell me about um, how the Gay Gooners came about. Talk to us. Tell my listeners, our listeners, what what it means to you as well. Well, the Gay Gooners was established in February of 2013, officially recognised by the club. But obviously, prior to that, there was a lot of work going on behind the scenes, building it up. And it was our president, Stuart Selby, who answered uh, a little ad um, to become like the LGBT plus um, member on a, on a fans forum. And then he worked with Mark Ganella 
and uh, Ivan Gazidis, and they hatched this plan to uh, create what was the country's first LGBT plus supporters group. So it was launched, as I say, in February 2013. So this year is our 10th anniversary. So it's been a very yeah. special uh, year for us. It was set up for three reasons. One was to try and address the, the dreadful homophobia that was going on still in the game uh, back then. But it was also to uh, give fans a feeling of safety and, and going to the games together and, and gathering at pre-match meetups and post-match meetups, you know, in, in, without fear, without having to look over your shoulder and think, oh, who's going to, um, who's going to notice? And the other thing is we do is campaigning um, to try and make things better for LGBT people um, who want to go and watch football. But also, it's 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 again we're against you know racism, we're against uh, anti-Semitism, Islamophobia. You know, we 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 basically just want to make football a happier place for for everybody. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I suppose um, as I'm not gay and I go to football, I take all this for granted. That when you just said safety, I felt. What do you mean safety? Do you mean safety with our fans or any fans? Basically, I'm afraid to say it's like any fans. You're just always on your guard. I know you said you can't say I've got you know a, um, a shirt that I love to wear. It's, it's one that Arsenal gave me. It's got Pride 22 on the back. I'd love to wear that to a lot a lot of games. And I actually am very selective where I wear it because I don't want to go inviting trouble. Now, some people say, well, you're just inviting trouble by wearing it. And, and forgive me for making this analogy, but it's like a a young, a young girl up in Newcastle wears a, a very short skirt, you know, that my mother would say, oh, we shouldn't leave the house in it. It's not up to us. We shouldn't judge people, but we are judged by what we wear. Even rainbow laces in our shoes sometimes. And, and as I say, people think, well, don't encourage it, but why shouldn't we? Why should we have to think twice about what we put on before we go to a football game? Absolutely. You know, and so, Jacob, do you feel like Carl? Do you feel unsafe? Or do you feel much more safer now because the gay gooners are recognised by the Arsenal? Well, I think the gay gooners is a you know massive way to to being safe. Um, and I I wouldn't I don't think I'd have been comfortable um, you know sharing my sexuality with people who sit around me, for example, um, at home games. If, if it wasn't for the gay gooners, to be honest, I, I think I kind of sat around them for five six years in those seats, and I think I only sort of mentioned that within the last year, um, you know, because of the work I've been doing. Um, with the gay gooners and you, you you do sort of feel on guard sometimes um i think we're in an environment where we see a lot of homophobic chanting um you see a lot on social media um you know when when play a few players have come out like jake daniels um a lot of people um you know spouting homophobia um very specific chants that we see at arsenal about ashley cole um those sorts of things and that that that, that isn't a comfortable environment to be in sometimes we were we had an amazing trip in Lisbon, um, some of us, and you know, Carl was there um, for the Europa League. Uh, it was the first leg, wasn't it? And you know, we, we were in a square having an amazing time, um, you know, drinking before the game, and people started singing that Ashley, that Ashley Cole chant, um, which is just one example of a chant. And it suddenly made us feel really uncomfortable, and it didn't make us necessarily feel like we were welcome there. Um, small examples, this doesn't happen to our fans every game. Uh, I think there's there's been a couple of instances this season where we've had to report things, but um, Arsenal have made you know major steps to making that match day environment particularly really really welcoming. We see that half time video that they put on in the stadium with Aaron Ramsdale. Um, 
they've, they've taken a lot of steps. Uh, it's it's going in a good direction, but you know we have had. I think Carl might might get onto later. Uh, had it's a Newcastle away game as well this season. Uh, Brighton away as well, um, where you know people making comments towards our members. Um, so it does happen, um, and 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 it happens with match going fans. It happens with with you know fans you see you know from all over the world on social media. So you know it's not even just one set of fans, unfortunately. But they they so, are the minority though. It's important to say they are the a massive minority. Yeah, we will get to the uh, couple of those games. But I want to ask Selena, um, if you're on Twitter, Selena, and you see Arsenal uh, promoting gay pride or the gay gooners, and then you see the hundreds and hundreds of disgusting remarks underneath, where but there are hundreds and hundreds of people trying to stop that as well, and and going at them and stuff like that. How does it make you feel? Oh, it's, it's something I try to avoid because I, I don't follow the men's account anymore because of those comments. So I just follow the women's and you you never see that on that account. And it's the same in the stands. Like, it's really hard listening to Carl and Jacob talk about that because we don't get it at the women's games ever. There's just so many openly gay players and fans that it's not a problem that we ever encounter, which is great. But obviously, there's the other side to it, at the men's game. And you just wonder why it can't be like that across the board. Yeah, I was thinking that my, me and my other half, who's called Carl as well, um, we were talking about this before and he said that the reason is because more people are openly gay and that it's just it's just you're playing football, that there's no focus on, on that side, on the women's side. Never really thought about it before. And as I said before, I didn't have to. However, everyone knows that I'm Jewish. So obviously there's anti-Semitism and I've experienced that many a time um, since the 70s. Um, and obviously the the main chant was the Tottenham chant where, you know, they used to hiss the gas chamber at the end, the gas. And I'm thank God over the last, I don't even know, 10, 15 years that's gone. I don't hear that. Um, however, I have been in pubs where I've heard anti-Semitic songs. Um, I've heard gay songs, anti-gay songs. You just hear everything anti-everything. And it is absolutely outrageous. And I always always will stand up for any minority and say what I've got to say. However, we, we you need and we need more people to do that because whatever you think about anything, you don't take it to football because we are one family. That's it. I see an Arsenal fan walking past my office the other day. I just went and spoke to him because he had an Arsenal top on. I don't know who he is. I don't know his feelings on anything in life. Don't even know if he's a nice or decent. I don't know anything. But but you have that common bond that if I see Jacob walking down the street and his Arsenal top on, or Carl with your, you know, your your um t-shirt sorry, your top behind you, um, it's Arsenal. It's that's the end of it. Now, if you're Tottenham, then you have the banter and, and that's just football. That's it, you know, and, and to think that it's I've never honestly doing this pod in the last few minutes, I didn't even think about the fact that you felt unsafe. I I thought you might feel awful hearing the songs, you know, and stuff like that. But to feel unsafe, as uh, you can tell, and this doesn't happen often. I'm a little bit thrown because... Yeah, it's maybe not, maybe not as unsafe as it might come across. It's just that if it's, it's one thing that adds to the life that an LGBT person has, um, yeah. you know, it's not just at football. It could be in any aspect of our lives that, you know, there'll be some comment made, and especially for our trans non-binary members, 
you know, for them to present themselves, their authentic selves at a game at the Emirates, they might have to get on the tube or a bus or walk or, or what have you. And in some cases, it's downright dangerous for them yeah. because of society. So in terms of us feeling unsafe, like, can I make it very clear? I have never felt unsafe at the Emirates, ever, ever. I know some people have, have witnessed and heard uh, some stuff. I personally haven't. The The main trouble happens outside of the stadium, I mean, pubs maybe uh, around the stadium. Um, there are certain pubs where there's chance said, like you said, uh, we, we get as upset about the anti-Semitic. Yeah. Some of them are downright disgusting as well. Um, yeah. You know, and we have Jewish members in our group as well, and I will defend them to the hilt. And unfortunately, both at the uh, Nottingham Forest game uh, in the concourse, and it's in the concourses that it happens. And and I personally try not to spend a lot of time in the concourses at away games. I love away games, but that concourse experience with some of the chants get out of hand, they've got to stop. As Jacob's mentioned, we really, really want to retire this Ashley Cole chant about him going to bed with all these men and with a mobile phone and, and, and all the rest of it. That just gets, it gets your blood pressure up because if they're chanting that and they find out that you're LGBT, um, you know, people, people recognize my face now from the, the anti-discrimination video at the, at the ground. That sometimes stops the chance, which is great, but they shouldn't be even thinking about chanting it in the first place. And that includes on the train, on the way, because apparently there's some terrible anti-Semitic chanting going on on the train to Nottingham Forest. And that was reported to me by my contacts at Arsenal who were at the game. And they were shocked at what they heard. And, the, and right, so, these... Cole, I'm, I'm going to explain something to you as a Jewish person, okay? The problem you have... This stems back to Tottenham being able and accepted the fact they can call themselves the Y word. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when you talk to non-Jewish Tottenham fans who then will, uh, sorry, non-Jewish Arsenal fans who call them the Y word, I educate them. However, mm. I so understand what they mean when they say, but they call it them themselves. That's what they call themselves. Well, let, let's just put the record straight here. There's not that many Jewish uh, uh, Spurs, there's probably more at Arsenal. And the fact is, okay, it doesn't make it right just because they do sing it. Now, a lot of people have got different views on this, and I wasn't going to go down that road, but I'm going to just try and explain a little something of why they do it, Carl. People often come up to me. When I joined Twitter, I used to get um, tw people tweeting me saying, are you going to why away? I won't say the Y word. Um and I would DM them and go, you do realise what you've just said to me is anti-Semitic. And I'm telling you now, Cole, they were horrified. They said, no, it's mm -hmm. not. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. No, it's not. I said, no, it is. But I understand you're not being anti-Semitic. You're talking about Tottenham. And this is where the problem lies. It's a very separate issue to being gay. It's nothing to do with that. But the, the Jewish part of it is because Tottenham allow their fans to sing that. And until they do stop Allowing their fans to do that, opposing fans are going to do that and they're going to throw it. So where you're hearing anti-Semitic chants, they may not be meaning to be anti-Semitic. They're anti-Tottenham. So mm. I, I can't tell you. I mean, Jake has probably been through it myself. When you talk to Tottenham fans, they will say the same thing. They call themselves it. They think it's perfectly acceptable. It's not. Mm. And 100% mm. it's not. However, when you do pull people up on it, they say, but I wasn't being anti-Semitic. That's what Tottenham call themselves. 
Mm-hmm. How do how do you you can't you can't you can't justify it. But however, I do get it. I was in a situation once in a restaurant with no football fans. No, none really. Well, the girls weren't. Some of the guys were, but they were all Jewish. Guy walks in with a West Ham top on. I turn around and go, "Well done for beating that lot today," because they beat Spurs. And he went, "Yeah, absolutely brilliant beating the Y." And the girls were horrified. Everyone stood up, like, we're going him. He didn't even know what he'd said. No word of a lie, all of you. He did not know what he'd said. Mm-hmm. He said, I'm so sorry, what have I said? And I said, listen, I said, everyone sit down. I know why he's done it. He doesn't mean to be anti-Semitic, but they call themselves that. And this is where it, it's so, it, it's never going to end. That's never going to end. I can't stop it. Whatever I say to people, they say, but that's what they call themselves. I'm not being anti-Semitic, Amanda. My best friend's Jewish. You get all that nonsense as well. Um, So that's why you will hear it's anti-Spurs. Although they're being anti-Semitic, but they're not meaning to be. I can't talk for everybody, of course. Absolutely not. I can't. But generally, and I think, Jacob, do you understand what I'm saying by this? It's anti-Spurs. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I'll be honest, I used to sing along to some of those chants when I was younger. um, Because I... You know, didn't really know what it. First of all, I didn't really know what it meant. Um, and again, I just associated that that word with with Spurs now. And I think in terms of people not really understanding what they mean, I think that's sometimes and always the same. It can be the same with homophobic chanting. I think people sometimes just sing along to chants because other people are singing it, singing it, and don't actually they don't understand the meaning of the words, and they don't really appreciate or understand the impact it has on people. Um, and that's that's a lot of the messaging that we're you know we've been working as a group with, uh, with Arsenal to, to try and correct. Um, because sometimes people actually don't know and understand. And that's one of the, that's one of the things. And I think, you know, something, something Carl mentions a lot. We don't, we don't sort of want to be the homophobia police. We don't want to, we don't want to have that reputation where people, oh, you know, that's the gay gooners. They're going to get us in trouble with the, with the club. Um, <laughs> yeah, we want to, we want to educate people on, on, on what those words mean. And we want, we, you know, we want people, we don't want to see loads of people banned from going to games. We want to see people, learn and understand and 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 teach others as well i'm slightly in disagreement with you jacob about the homophobic chance because that's not acceptable but the spurs i understand i get it i get why people honestly this guy was absolutely mortified he couldn't believe he had offended us and i think homophobic and i think the problem with the ashley cole chant is the ashley everyone just those fans hate Ashley Cole. They don't care what they sing. It's not about mm-hmm. being homophobic to them. It's about anti Ashley Cole. Unfortunately, they don't. They don't think about what you're saying about the surrounding yeah. people who are, you know, gay. That this is affecting. So, it's, it's a really interesting chat, and I hope that you, you know, I hope that one day you feel 100% safe to go to football because I have never felt unsafe at the Emirates or outside I've never felt unsafe at away games apart from Spurs and Chelsea I felt unsafe but for no other reason than just being an Arsenal fan nothing Mm -hmm. that's the only reason I've had um, situations at Tottenham that were absolutely horrific but nothing to do with anti-semitism homophobia nothing Um, and so Selena you alluded to that you go to the all the women's matches you've got an Arsenal women's season ticket and you don't have any of this. So do you go to the Emirates and to the pubs when Arsenal women are playing and feel completely safe? I do, yeah. Yeah, so we have a big group of us that sort of 
the, um, we're called the Red and White. Um, a lot of us are also gay gooners. So in that group of about 200 people, there are a lot of gay people, bisexual people and non-binary people. And we're all together. We all feel safe. And we've never heard any chance like that. No comments or anything. But you know full well that if, if anyone says that, they'll be outnumbered because there's so many of us that will shut that down. Even the straight people that we're with will shut that down. Yeah, I think I think Selena's got a really important point there, um, Amanda, about the what we call allyship and what people can can do. And allyship isn't necessarily, you know, um, going on social media and and fighting fighting back at the homophobic comments. It's some people might say things to your face, but in behind your back, it might slip into conversation, and so they won't they won't think about it. We would rather sort of allies said positive things about the club and positive things about Pride Month and positive things about the parade. That, you know, sort of fight the hate with love, you know, love for the club, love for what the club do for us as a group. That to me is far more uh, important than biting back. And it's and it's really hard sometimes not to bite back as uh, Jacob might start smiling. He knows that occasionally on Twitter, I bite back, but I bite back with things. I'll give you an example. Somebody said that I was, uh, uh, some horrible version of uh, God's beautiful creation. So I just tweeted back and said, I am a beautiful creation, you know, and put a lot of rainbow flags and all the rest of it. And did he answer back? No, he ran a bloody no. mile. Oh, ran a mile. He ran a mile, right? So sort of fighting that homophobia with a bit of wit and a bit of, you know, and then I'll send him a picture of me and my shirt and say, oh, here's a colourful picture to cheer up, you know, your, your miserable day. And, and they, they don't like it. And so for Not an ally... Fun. It'd be great to sort of fight them off with love and and positive comments about you know what we do as a group because that's and something for some of the viewers on this to really realize. Selena, Jacob, and Carl did not choose to be LGBT. Never once did any of us stand in front of a mirror and go, "Do you know what? I think I'll be gay." Not one person ever did. So people that say we choose a lifestyle and we choose to be like this, I couldn't get. Again, I can't speak for Jacob and Selena. This I know as a teenager growing up, I was wishing it away. Some people say, pray it away. I didn't want to be that way. Now I've learned to embrace it and, and accept, you know, who, who I am. But my God, it was a really long, tough journey. And personally, being a member of the Gay Gooners has allowed me to embrace the fact that I can go to a game and wear a rainbow shirt on occasion, and I can love football. Because the other thing that a lot of people may not realize is in the gay world, if you're seen as a football fan, you're a minority minority. Because <laughs> they'll be like, what, you like football? Are you mad? You know, and, and I come from a family that loves sport, right from Olympics to come up with just watching the tennis this afternoon while flicking between the ashes. You know, my mom's 84 and she's always on Sky Sports. So sports have been an integral part of my life. But again, as I say, as a gay person, we're in a minority minority being football fans. And I go, well, what, what, what's the not to like? The whole the whole experience is magical. It, it's fantastic. I, yeah, I just, I think this is a um, lovely point from William Jack. He's put, we need to get to the stage where LGBTQ gooners don't have to add, even the straight gooners defended us. They shouldn't have to, sorry, one second. They shouldn't have to stand alone and we all need to call out homophobia. And I think... 
we should all stand together for a start anyway, first of all, to stand with you. And the fact that you're gooners. I, mm. see, this is what I don't get. I stand with every gooner that's got a decent point of view. <laughs> they don't have to agree with me at all on my football uh, opinions. But it's just, I, I just, I, I find it, I, I find it absolutely, I, I mean, horrifying that you'd actually feel unsafe. Talk to me about um, what happened, J Jacob, at the Newcastle game or the Nottingham Forest. You alluded to it before, whatever game you were at. I think this car is probably better. I wasn't at the Forest one, so maybe you want to put them... I was at Newcastle, but Carl might want to put them both in together. Yeah, the, the, the sad thing, the, the two seasons at Newcastle, one with that miserable game, which you were probably yeah. at, you know, awful, awful game. Mm -hmm. And I got abused because I, I deliberately wore my rainbow laces and my shoes because you know, against the Saudi owners of, of, of Newcastle, my little protest. Yeah. And then one of our trans members was there presenting, you know, uh, uh, her female self, and she was abused by Newcastle fans, chanting the most horrific thing twice, you know. And yeah. that was the day that Jake Daniels came out, you know, and we put out a tweet that evening which is one of the biggest tweets we ever got reaction to, and everybody was very supportive and all of it. So it was very disappointing. Anyway, this season, much better game, of course. And I missed 20 minutes of the second half because one of our members went to the gents, and while he was doing his business, he heard somebody start, um, chanting something. I can't say it because it's a family show. Started off a chant really badly and then um, used our group's name as a slur to finish off the chant and people joined in in the in the gents now they knew there was no cameras in the gents and the club always say to us oh to get video evidence well that's that's never easy to to do no. you can't get your phone out in the gents and start filming people that's, that's, no. that's not on and then newcastle police commander had put two female officers outside the the toilets so we the, the member that heard it was safe, but was there thinking if people recognise or think he may be part of the, the gay gooners, would, would they somehow pick on him, probably verbally, you know. Um, so he felt very unsafe, and I could see the look on his face, and I just went, right, I've got to sort this out. And so I spent time trying to find Mark Brindell, and there was other people, that, you know, the Arsenal stewards, they, all, they knew me. And I insisted that we made a police report, because, you know, unless we report these things. I know Jacob's mentioned, we don't want to be seen as the gay police, but when I have a member sat next to me shaking because of what he's heard from Arsenal fans, yeah, that's not acceptable. And that, that, that really, you know, really gets to me. And 99% you know, of the people there would have been supported, but it's this element that think it's funny and they think it, oh, mate, it's just banter. No, it's not. It's no. never just Banter, as I say, it's not just at football games that LGBT people have to face, you know, abuse sometimes. You know, and and the other thing is that we often have to spend our lives coming out. You know, when you ask questions about your partner and and I was like, oh, I've got to you know come out to the bank manager, I've got to come out. <laughs> it's all the time, and it gets a bit it's a bit tiring. And it, it's um, people talk about normalizing. It's 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 I prefer the word mainstream. You know. It should be more mainstream. It shouldn't matter. And to the homophobes, I say, the doctor you saw last time, he might be gay. The the, the woman that served you in the restaurant, she might be gay. There, there might be a trans person that has um, driven your bus. You know, there's a, a, a lesbian pilot has flown your plane. There's the LGBT people everywhere that help out homophobes every single day. And it would be nice if homophobes could just turn around and recognise 
A, we didn't choose to be this way. And it's usually not us that throws abuse first. Wow. Sorry, I'm, I know I'm, I'm lecturing, no. but I'm so passionate about this. It's um... No, no, Carl, it's so interesting. And this is the reason I wanted you, you know, when I contacted you and said, I'd love you to come on. I've always supported the Gay Gooners since I was on social media. Um, mm. Unfortunately, I am one of those that does fight them, though. I don't go in with love. I know love. you do. <laughs> I don't go in with love. Um, I generally don't advise to fight. I do exactly what you do. I do When anyone comes at me about being a woman in football or anything, <laughs> Any other reason is the sarcasm wins all the time. You know, like I always teach uh, the women because there's the, there's the sexism in football as well. No one's ever going to win with me on sexism. I've been going to football for 50 years. so I don't give a toss what anyone says. I know more football than most men do, but that's that's irrelevant. Um, I, c I can sit and out talk a man about football. There's no problem on that. And a woman. It doesn't matter to me. I don't care who you are. I, I won't have that for any woman. And I teach all a lot of the younger women on Twitter who are passionate about the Arsenal. How you answer back is pure fun and sarcasm and you show them up. You do not start arguing. However, mm. I go against all that when Arsenal promote anything to do with any um, minority group. I'm there straight away. Mm. Um, and obviously, we have we have a lot of idiotic fans, I'd say in loose word, um, that, you know, when anything Jewish is promoted or, you know, when, when they say happy Hanukkah and, you know, just let it be for God's sake. Do you know what? Love is love. And that is the end of it. Just be a decent human being. That is so far more important than anything. A decent human being that supports Arsenal and not Spurs. And you're you're in my family the whole time. So, Selena, um, talk to us about the women's team. We're just doing brilliant the last couple of years. I, I'm going to hold my hands up. And people on this show know that I don't have time to, to um, you know, not fully support the, ma the men's team is enough um, with my full-time job and everything else that goes on. But I'm always like looking out for them. And I'm very proud of everything they've done and achieved. And the fact that the crowds are getting bigger and bigger is must be fantastic, Selena. It's amazing. Yeah. So we've actually had a rough couple of years. Um, so we had a manager change last year and we lost the league by one point. The point where at half time we were actually top of the league. That's oh. how close it was. And it was heartbreaking. It was West Ham away and being in the stands, having the players hyping us up and asking us the score and things like that. It was hard, but it was also a massive achievement achievement for Jonas, our new manager, um, yeah. coming that close in his first season. Um, this season was a, a lot different, mostly due to injury. So we lost four players to ACL injuries. And we had Beth Mead first. Uh, oh, Mead yes, I saw all this. Yeah, um, Leah Williamson and then Laura Veen Reuter. That's mate, um, that is unlucky for ACLs. Yeah, yeah, and that's not counting the other injuries. Like, um, both our centre backs are out for part of the season together. Um, we lost Kim Little, our captain, for a bit, and I think by the end of the season, you could just see the players were spent. We couldn't rotate. We didn't have the players. All we had on our bench were goalkeepers and academy players. And yet, despite that, we got to the semi-final of the Champions League and we took it to extra time against Wolfsburg. So we also yeah, won the Conti Cup in March. So despite that, it was disappointing, but it was also an absolutely amazing season considering. 
lost it by one point. <clears throat> well, the men, the, the men sort of went down that route as well. Not not as dramatic as one point, but it's heartbreaking, isn't it? When you support a team, there's such highs and there's such lows. Um, Jacob, you're one of our younger supporters. You're in your twenties. Um, so for you, who's been your favourite manager so far? Are you going to say Wenger or Arteta? Well, I, yeah, I, I was too young to be an Arsenal fan when Wenger actually won us the league. So I, I although I obviously yeah. still, I was still still love him, and you know, I'm double the, your the, age and bit. <laughs> the, the majority of his time at Arsenal, I was I was following Arsenal. But obviously, it was you know not as successful. We still won those three FA Cups, which were you know amazing. Especially, I basically had a nine year wait for a trophy for you know my whole time supporting Arsenal. <laughs> Um, which was felt like a very very long time. Um, I do love Mikel. Um, you know, I loved him as a player. I remember staying up late uh, when I shouldn't have. Um, when we you know originally signed him on deadline day back in uh, 2011, was it? Um, probably had to school the next day. Actually, I probably didn't because it was August, wasn't it? But I, I should have been in bed already. Um, and you know the, the way that he's come into the club. I um, mean, obviously it was tough at tough at first, despite that early FA Cup win. I think we doubted him. I think. About December 2020, I think most of us might have been might have been on the Arteta out camp. Um, a lot of us, at least, um, no. not you. I think <laughs> no. I, I was I was wavering a bit, but but he's been amazing and the culture change at the club. Um, you know the way he's he's got on all these young players, um, and you know the way they respond to him is amazing. Last season was was really really incredible. Obviously, um, it kind of felt like we were untouchable in those first sort of four or five months of the season. Um, and you know, following the club um, home and away was was incredible. The the way that he's turned around the atmosphere at the Emirates as well, because we were obviously used to the library taunts, and it wasn't atmosphere was never that great. The connection with the players was never that great. And the way he's transformed the club is amazing. And obviously, I want us to be successful um, under Mikel. I want us to win the league. I want us to to do well in the Champions League. But even if we don't end up doing that, I think the way he's transformed us um, has been amazing. I mean, you know, even if it's only that one FA Cup, um, that you know, he, he's he's really been an incredible manager. I mean, he's put us in an amazing position going forward. I'm um, very very excited. Now we've got these three uh, mm. so far. Hopefully, there's more signings coming, but the three signings so far, um, I can't, I still can't believe seeing Rice in an Arsenal shirt. Just just seems um, incredible, really. And I know, well, I hope he's going to be a you know massive player for the next decade for us. So. Seeing Rice in an Arsenal shirt, if you think that's unbelievable, let me tell you, when Sol Campbell signed, that was the most weirdest, and it took me so long to to know the the Tottenham captain was in our shirt. It would have been like them seeing Tony Adams in their shirt, God forbid. But it's just so interesting because I'm sitting here thinking you don't even know before Wenger, do you? I mean, you weren't around, obviously. You're, You're... your dad is probably roughly my age, I would think. And, you know, we had, when you go, I had to wait nine years for a trophy. That did sort of make me laugh a little bit. However, I only had to wait 10 years in a way because I was born in 1969. So 71, I was only two. Yeah, um, yeah 79, yeah. Yeah, but I had 78 we lost and I cried at school. And 79, I watched my dad was there. And my dad parted with the players that night in London, bizarrely. Um, but I was at home watching it with my little flag. I was only 10 years old. But then we went through quite a few barren years because we lost yeah. the West Ham the year later. Um, and then I, it wasn't 
like 20 years of Baron, but Tottenham were winning stuff and I was at school and everyone was Tottenham and it was oh horrible. I left school and then we started to do well in 86. So, you know, it's, it is an up and down ride. But for you, it's mainly been Wenger and now Arteta. It's so weird, Carl, isn't it? Because obviously we're of the older generation of he doesn't know Don Howe, Terry Neal. He wouldn't know what it was like to have Gus Caesar in defence and John Devine and all these players. Um, and obviously he would have missed, you know, um, Frank Stapleton. Oh, I used to love him. And obviously Chippy Brady. But, I mean, obviously, then you can go even further back into my dad's era of, you know, the 50s and the 60s and stuff. And that's what makes being a football fan one. You know, it doesn't matter how old you are and what experience you have. We all love the Arsenal. And and that's what I was hoping that this show would show, that we just sit here and talk football. And, you know, Jacob's just said, you know, new young players, how the hell have we got Declan Rice? You know, God knows what else is going to happen in the next couple of weeks. I can't believe he's he's here, even though a couple of weeks ago I knew it was going to happen. Um, you know, Selena, I've got I've got some questions we're going to go to now. Um, <clears throat> right. This is from Carl. Um, Selena, what is Selena's? Oh, OK. Not that one. I'm just going to, sorry, everybody. Bear with me. There was a question I wanted to ask. I'll come back to that one. Um, do, 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 do. Right, this is it. Carl said, Selena, how important is the Alicia Russo signing? Um, I think it's it's a massive statement from Arsenal to have taken her from Man United, essentially. It's absolutely massive because, obviously, in January, we offered them half a million, which would have been a record in the women's game. And they turned it down. And I think that alone was a massive statement from Arsenal, like how much they valued her, because she only had six months on her contract. So they were willing to break this record for a player that we've now got on a free. And it's incredible. And watching the meltdown from the Man U fans has been so much fun. Yeah, but then we go to the other side and we've got Karen Russell. Hi, Karen. Welcome to the show. Selena, how does Jonas topple Emma Hayes and Chelsea? Mm -hmm. Oh, he he needs time. He just needs the time to build his team, which he's doing. And he's made some absolutely incredible signings. Um, so Victoria Palova came in in January and she settled in so quickly. She's absolutely fantastic. I love her to bits. And she's clearly so happy to be playing for us. So um, I don't know the exact time, but Hayes has been with Chelsea for maybe 10 years. So she's had this time and obviously the Chelsea money to build her team exactly how she wants it. And we just need to give him the same thing. Okay. And one last question on the women's team at the moment. David wants to know, am I wrong for thinking we were a little more, more fun to watch under Montemuro, a bit more swashbuckling, it seemed? Or is that just because Jonas hasn't fully got his style in place yet? I'll be honest. I'm more recent to the women's game. So I've only really watched us under Jonas. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think it's, yeah, it's just the fact that we haven't had the players he's wanted. And now this is his first season that he's had sort of his own team, his own players. And obviously we've had so many injuries that we haven't been able to get into a rhythm or any particular style. So I think we've got some incredible attacking players. So I'm really excited for the next couple of seasons. OK, maybe you can answer this from Phil. Hello, Phil. If half a million is a world record bid, how long before transfer fees get silly like the men's game? 
hopefully never, but that's probably a bit too optimistic. It's climbing, though, if you had a half a million quid, isn't it? It is climbing. It is climbing, yeah, definitely. But the problem with that is, obviously, ticket prices and everything else will quickly follow, and I'm not sure how sustainable that is at the moment. Yeah. We never thought 30, 40 years ago that this is what would be going on at Arsenal now with games on a Friday night, 8 o'clock, where fans can't get home from. Oh, that's another... Honestly, yeah. that is another podcast. I could go on about that all night. Newcastle at seven o'clock on a Monday night. You know, they just don't care. At the moment, the women's game is not like that. And, you know, we have what, our own problems with that. With what, like on, Sunday, Sunday night kickoffs and things like that. Yeah. So we've had the likes of Everton away at, I think, 6.45. And obviously, you can't get back from Liverpool no. at that time. And Sky and BBC don't care. I no. think Man City have had away games down at West Ham at 11.30 in the morning, which is just ridiculous. They don't care. And unfortunately, yeah. it does seem like you're going that way then. Right. Now, this is a question for all of you. I'm going to go with Jacob first. Who's had the better transfer window so far, our men's or women's team? I have to say our men's. I, I, and that's slightly because I I don't know how else we signed apart from Russo uh, in the women's get, women's team. But um, I think those signings are really going to transform. So I'm still, I, I really want Havertz to work well, but I guess part of me is still wary that he didn't really work at Chelsea. But I think we'll use him in a different way. Um, I think Rice is going to transform our midfield, especially now we've lost Shaka. And I think Timber is going to be a yeah, massive help to that defence because we were short of backup, obviously, last season. Um, holding didn't necessarily work. Um, and Kiwiel um, is a decent backup, but probably not ready yet. So. Yeah. Having you know, having someone who can play right back, you can then move Ben White into centre back if one of Saliba or Gabriel is injured. Um, so I think those signings so far are a massive step, and hopefully there's more to come. I know we've been linked with Lavia from Southampton. Uh, I think that would be a really great signing. I don't necessarily know um, of all the rumours that are about which are you know which are the most accurate at the moment. I guess we've just spent a while getting getting those, especially the rice transfer through. Yeah, gosh, it's like a saga, isn't it? Yeah. Carl, can you answer that question? I'm a bit like Jacob in that I don't really follow the women's game as, as closely, obviously, as uh, Selena does. Um, it, it's interesting, though, the way the game is going. I was going to ask you, do you remember the first million-pound male, male player in the in the first division? I want to say Lee Chapman, but I'm sure no, I'm wrong. It was Jerry Who, Francis. Jerry Francis. Oh, yeah. Yeah, UPR. yeah, yeah, yeah. First million pound player, and I seem there's some ring bells with me. And now we've got a woman's player that's at half a million. I'm afraid I kind of disagree a little bit with Selena on that. I think the women's game there's going to be a lot more money. There was a report I think this week that suggested that it will reach billion, you know, billion pounds a year as a as a, as a value. Um, it's just grown by leaps and bounds. So I would imagine clubs will start getting crazy. But in terms of our uh, transfer window, I. Yes, I, it's amazing we've done it so early, uh, not leaving it until you know the last the last day. Um, and the interesting thing is, my mother and I used to criticise Kai Havertz all the time whenever we saw him play because he always looked so miserable. He never smiled. He looked so grim. And now all these dogs. Well, you would do playing for Chelsea, wouldn't yeah, you? Exactly. And, and now he's with Arsenal. He puts an Arsenal shirt on. He can't stop smiling. You know. So um, I think that's to me is the most interesting because it, it came from left field we were not expecting that no um so it's going to be interesting we haven't had the best sort of success with chelsea players coming to play for us so this this one um yeah it's going to be interesting to see 
Okay, cool. Um, Selena, I'm assuming you're going to say the the women's. I think they've, they've we've both had both teams have had very similar windows. So obviously, Carl and Jacob have explained the men's side. Um, but as far as the women's, we've had obviously Russo, um, Lacasse, who is a left winger, has come in. She's another player we were looking at in January. Um, and Amanda Illestet, who is a centre back, which is obviously a position we we're in desperate need to fill with Leah's injury and Rafa leaving for Orlando Pride for personal reasons because she has been an absolutely massive loss. And that's going to be tough to replace. Well, let's hope the women's team do as well as the men's team. We hope all of them do absolutely brilliant for 23-24, which all starts up next month. Right, okay, going back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the show, um, Carl wants to know, what is Selena's, Jacob's and Carl's match day experience like? Does the Emirates feel like a safe place or is that not your experience? We'll go with Jacob first. The, the Emirates has always felt felt safe to me. Um, and I think, you know, what if you think about, um, you know, we've got that gay, big gay Gooners sign, um, you know, flag. I can't remember exactly what where it is in the stadium um, in terms of what which, which trophy it's slightly above. Um, the way that we've got the messaging at halftime, the way that Pride is celebrated there when we had our 10th mm. anniversary. Yeah, those, those who are at the game would have seen Carl and I uh, uh, talking to Nigel Mitchell before the game. It was Brentford, Brentford home game. Um, we were talking about the 10th anniversary and we also got to have a picture with uh, Martin Odegaard, which is a very cherished uh, cherished picture. Um, I, I think the Emirates does feel safe. As, as Carl kind of alluded, some away games can sometimes be less, especially because a lot of our fans have had a lot to drink and then that's when some of the some of the chanting um, starts. Yeah. But um, no, the match day experience is really positive. We, we have a we have a meet-up as a group Um before every single home game, you know, everyone knows where to go. Um, so we, we all meet there, have a few drinks. And that I guess that kind of starts the, um, you know, feeling of our, our group being together. Um, and then, you know, quite often, especially if the result was positive, a lot of us meet up after the, the home game as well. Um, so, you know, we, we always feel very together. And away games, especially, we, we are able to, um, you know, through the club, we're all able to sit together. Um, which is a massive, uh, massive thing as well, because a lot of people might not, you know, might not will feel comfortable yeah. um, if they have to sit on their own in a away game. And that's a massive thing. We're really thankful to the club for for making sure that, you know, we sort of have, when we get our tickets for away games, that they're, they're all put, you know, in the same row and, and next to each other. Okay, Carl? Yeah, I had this good opportunity to call out Arsenal, actually. Um, without them, this group would not be what it is today. Yeah. And also, it, the Emirates wouldn't be as safe a place as it feels to me. And that hasn't just happened. A lot of this doesn't just happen. Uh, Jacob and I are both officers of, of the Gay Gunas, and we literally put in hundreds of hours of our own time into uh, organising you know, the, the events around Pride and LGBT History Month and, and what have you. Uh, Jacob did a fantastic job in February, for example. And I think you, you like them every, every day, uh, Amanda, was when we put out a member tweet during our 10th anniversary. And that went down so well, and we got really positive reactions. There was very few negative reactions to that. My personal experience at the Emirates, it's fantastic. Uh, the people around me, we, you know, I'm, I'm one that tries to get a chant going in the upper tier of the North Bank, and when <laughs> 10 seconds later it starts, you kind of go, oh, look what I did, you know. So, um, and talking, 
talking with the people around you from different backgrounds. And I think it was about the third or fourth game, I was sat next to somebody and I pointed out that, oh, I'm the co-chair of that group and pointed at the Gay Gooners banner, which is at the clock end, um, Jacob, around about 1930-something. Um, and just the warmth I get from the people around. And, and now that my big ugly mug is on the big screen every every game, you know, people around all know, and I always try to run out when that's being shown, but then you go down the concourse and it's on the TV screens there, so I can't get away from that. Um, but I love the Emirates. I'm 300 miles away from it, and I cannot wait to get back. It, uh, it, it really does feel like home. Um, and so do you it, come to every home game? I come to a lot, don't I, Jacob? <laughs> Most. I don't think I don't think you miss many home games last season. I don't and miss away, away games as well. That 300, yeah. mi 300 mile round trip. No, the 600 mile round trip. Wow. 300 miles one way. So, but the good news is, in October, I qualify for my senior citizen rail card, and that will make life a lot easier. As long as the trains are running, absolutely. Oh well, no, I moan that it takes me an hour there and back. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know how good I've got it. Um, okay, so I've got some other um, thing. I've, David wanted to just say, selling out the Emirates this past season was a real statement for the women's team. It was fantastic. Would you agree, Selena? That was an incredible game. Yeah, that was fantastic. Seeing the whole stadium sold out for the women. And and it was such a good game. Obviously, even though we didn't win, it was a fantastic, fantastic game for people to come and see. Lovely. Yeah, proud moment. It was. I remember that. I thought, that's so fantastic. Um, and another one for you, Selena. You're very popular in the questions tonight. What does <laughs> Selena think about the prospect of live Saturday 3pm games to help grow the game? Oh, I, for me personally, it would certainly be preferable to the evening games and things because I know a lot of the families and everything, which is a big part of our fan base, do struggle with those games. Because obviously 6.45 on a Sunday isn't great yeah. when you're travelling a few hours with kids. So, yeah, I'm definitely open to that. And how does it feel that more of the women's matches got another question for you? Are being played at the Emirates now. Does it feel more like one club? Yeah, it does. Although, I'll be honest, I absolutely love Meadow Park. It's fantastic. It's It has a more intimate feel. But... I like the balance and I like where we're going next year where I think almost half of our league matches will be at the Emirates and half at Meadow Parks. So we get mm. a nice balance between the two different things. But I also know the players do absolutely love playing at the Emirates and I think that's why we've had so many contract extensions this season. That's great. I'm going to get you on, Selena, again to talk about the women's game. I feel like I'm <laughs> missing out something. Maybe I should start. I don't know how I'd Definitely. cope. <laughs> with two Arsenal teams. Um, Carl wants to know, what positive changes have Carl, Jacob and Selena seen over the last couple of seasons at the club? You allude to the fact that Arsenal are very, very, very supportive. And I can see that. And, and I love that. Um, but Jacob, do you feel that it has improved and it is improving? Or do we have so far to go with this yet? I think it is improving a lot. And the club have very proactive and not just on issues of homophobia, you know, anti-Semitism. We've now seen Jewish gooners, um, mm. you know, as a supporters group join up and I'm, I'm a member there as well. Um, and it's so positive to see the club support that. Um, we just won, the club just won an award for the, I think it's for the sign language that they now have um, with the pitch side interviews. Um, so they're making amazing progress on things like that. And I think we're proud that Arsenal were usually 
you know, leading the light on so many of these yeah. issues. And I know speaking to you know, one of the staff members at, um, who came with us to, to London Pride, he said that now every single Premier League club is now doing that with the having um, you know, sign language interpreter um, pitch side for people in the stadium. And no, no one had done that before us. So that was six months ago. And now, now every club does it. So I think, you know, it's real sense of pride that there's a lot of way to go on lots of these things, but that the Arsenal are the club leading on everything, most things. That's fabulous. Um, Selena? Um, I think I'm going to have to defer to the guys for this one because I don't yeah. spend much time at the Emirates. So, <laughs> Carl? The interaction that we have with the club, we have a very collaborative approach with the club and, and I can honestly say that I feel that it's not a tick box exercise. They're not doing a diversity and inclusivity yeah. type situation with Arsenal. You genuinely feel that they care. And after the Brentford game, give you an example, there was a huge TIFO um, on the, um, I forget which, on the North Stand, where you sit, um, Jacob, and a huge TIFO, love is love. And I wrote to um, Binet uh, after the Brentford game just to thank him for, for everything that they did um, around LGBT History Month. And Vinay wrote back and he said one of the proudest moments of his time at Arsenal was to see that love is love TIFO unfurling in front of him at that Brentford game. And when he wrote that, he genuinely meant that. And that and that's that meant the world to us because yeah, as I say, he's not just saying he, he genuinely means it. We gave him a gay gooner scarf and he never got the chance to wear it because his daughter saw it and, and stole it off him straight away and won't let him have it back. You know, so for us to have that connection all the way to the top of um of of, of the Emirates sort of management tree is fantastic, you know, and we're proud to be associated with the club. Yes, we'll we'll tackle them on a few issues. This Wolves fine issue, which we've not had a chance to talk about tonight, that is massive for all the Premier League. But I can say, having read the 15-page report, Arsenal, as Jacob alluded to, do more than any other Premier League in in um in my estimation, around this space. And there's going to be a lot required from fans, especially away fans, to, you know, behave in, in yeah. terms of some of I these things. Because it won't just be fines in the future, it'll be points deductions if we're not if we're not careful. And if wow. that's the only way that have to deal with it. So so we don't want to see that. We want all Arsenal fans to have fantastic experience both home and and away and i think the emirates is one of the best stadiums in the country for for that atmosphere and for for feeling feeling safe while you're there so i'm going to end our chat on this one question that i really think um would be great and all of you i want to answer this david ziegler who started off at the very beginning saying he met you carl in orlando has said this how does one best act as an ally at matches so jacob what it, what would be the best way for for us to protect it, it, or or stand up to if we see something? Well, I know Arsenal have the you know the system where you can text um, you know if you hear discrimination. I've never used that service to be honest, so I don't know I don't know how well it actually works. Um, but I think yeah, just if if you hear language, um, either report it if you feel comfortable, speak to the person. Um, about it and, and just make them know the impact that has on people. You're not always going to change people's minds about um, you know their beliefs, um, but if you actually let them know those words actually might impact on people, um, that might stop them from saying it. 
um, even if they still believe it. But if you can stop them from saying it, that's that that that's that's impactful anyway. Um, and you know, we, we do have lots of great allies. I, I remember um, there was a home game last season um, where there were about four or five reported incidents of homophobia. I think it was Brighton. Not 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 the season just gone, but as in two seasons ago, technically now, um, where we lost two uh, one at home, and I think Carl might be able to correct me, but I think think two or three of those people who had reported um, homophobia were actually allies. They were straight allies. They weren't actually you know LGBT people, um, and that's that's a that's a really great thing, and that feels so supportive uh, towards us as a group when hearing that people are actually doing that. Who, um, you know, they're going out their way to do that. They don't really need to do that. Um, and that's that, that's really impactful, and you know, for our group. Carl, yeah, I, my my advice would be, if it's safe to do so, call it out, but don't ever feel you know that you have to tackle head on. All the Arsenal stewards should be aware. If you go up to a, a steward, we help with steward training, by the way, at um, at Arsenal, in terms of helping them know what to look out for. So approach a steward um, in. In any case, I also have never used the reporting system. I have my concerns about it because you need to have a phone signal <laughs> to send a text. But how many people yeah. get a signal at the Emirates? So, again, that's something we've, we're talking about with the club about, you know, how do you best um, uh, go about it? Because the situation is it's always better to deal with an incident while it's going on and while the game is still being played. To try and do anything post-match is far more difficult. Uh, to do. Uh, you'll generally find if you um, call somebody out for it, you'll get support from people around you. Um, and again, I can be a bit controversial here. If you heard a racist uh, abuse being hurled at a player, just about everybody in the stand would try and you know get you thrown out of the stadium. Right? And quite right too. Wouldn't it be nice if you know yeah. the same was true? People tend to climb up a little bit so yeah. and I can understand yeah. that it's it, it's fine because if you speak out in support of uh, a, a, a gay person, then people might say, oh, you're gay yourself, you know, because it's a slur. It's a, it's just like a, it's a negative thing. So that's one of the reasons why maybe some people feel a bit nervous about calling it out because they don't want to be sort of tarred with a brush. So it, it's it's an interesting one. But I always, always say to people, only call it out if it feels safe to do so. That's fair enough. And Selena, you don't experience it, do you? No, thankfully. Yeah. It's a relief. But yeah, if, if we did, I'd, I'd agree with Carl and, and Jacob. If you feel confident and safe to call it out, then do so and educate the person as to why it isn't acceptable. But I completely understand if you don't feel comfortable doing that, but just report it to a steward, make sure someone knows about it. Um, I'm just going to read this out, this comment, and then we'll go to close the show. Um, Carl Stark has said, what an amazing show tonight. Thank you for educating us, being so open and honest and being really interesting. Really, really interesting. Carl, great name, Jacob and Selena. And, you know, I wanted to bring you on because it is a part of education as well. It, it, it was something that while I'm doing these summer shows and they're not post-game shows or preview shows, I've had so many different an interesting guest on and I thought you know what I really want um I always you know obviously everyone knows I'm Jewish and, and anyone can come at me and I'll deal with it but I just I've never felt unsafe 
for that reason anywhere else, obviously. And I, I'm just so pleased that you've all agreed to do this because I did really want to show everyone that you're just bloody Arsenal fans. And that is it. And all you want to do is go and support your club like the rest of us. That is it. We go to away grounds. We don't want to hear homophobic, racist, sexist, any, any slurs, any songs. Grow up, show some respect and have some humility. Arsenal as a club are showing, are showing so much class with everything they're doing, promoting and being right behind the gay gooners. And as Jacob said, the Jewish gooners now. Um, really shouldn't have any of we shouldn't need any of this we shouldn't need this but unfortunately today's so, so oh my god what is wrong with me today's society we do um but i can really see from the comments tonight how much fiona really interesting show and great guests um karen what has been talked about tonight needs to be talked about great podcast has always come on you gooners and i just felt um it was important. And you know what? The three of you, I can't believe an hour was gone. I've got so many. And yes, and I think that is what's going to happen, Carl. <laughs> Can we have Carl, Jacob and Selena back on again, please? Love this. And I will absolutely love to have you on. And you don't need to come on as as this discussion, you can just come on as normal Arsenal fans and discuss the game because that's it. That's all we really want to do. We don't want to, we don't want anyone to be separated into groups. You know, we're Arsenal and, and, and that's that. Um, and I will end it now with this. I'm always reminded of Stuart in the Amazon documentary and imagine every one of these guests saying it. This is my football club. It really is. Guys, you've been absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much. Jacob, it's been an absolute pleasure. And Carl and Selena too. And, it, and I know, you. Selena, you don't get to the Emirates for the men's games, but I'd love to meet up. Um, I don't drink, however, but take Jacob <laughs> and Carl out for a, for a pint of something, whatever, and just chat about the game because I really, really um, appreciate um, you coming on. And I hope you've all enjoyed it, and I will hope you come back. It's been brilliant. Thank you. This, this is your first podcast, <laughs> Selena, isn't it? Look at this. It Selena is, yeah. needs her own Arsenal women's show. Maybe that's something we can don't talk about, about on this channel, <laughs> Selena. Maybe, because we don't have anything to do with the women's game on the same old Arsenal. Maybe that's something that we should think about. Um, you've all been brilliant. People in the chat room as well, thank you so much um, for being respectful and open with your questions and, and being so welcoming to the guests. Everyone on audio, um, Thank you as well for all your follows and downloads and the summer shows are doing brilliant, right? So this is it. I've got another show tomorrow night. I never do two shows in two nights because I'm bloody old and I'm bloody knackered. And I've been out this weekend as well on the Raz, as they say. Um, so 8.30 tomorrow evening, come and join myself, my podcast brother, Cookie, Alan Algar, and son of Tony Gow, ex-West Ham defender, Anthony Gow, who knows Declan Rice very well. And that show is totally dedicated to Declan Rice. It should be called the same old Arsenal, re-Declan Rice tomorrow night. Um, so please come and join me 8.30 tomorrow evening. And then Chris is back 7.30 on Wednesday night with Charles Watts and Dave Seeger. Seriously, guys, are we spoiling you this summer and especially this week. Selena, Carl and Jacob, thank you so much. 
You have been absolutely awesome. Thank you to everyone in the chat room. I'll be seeing you tomorrow night, you lot. Um, have a wonderful Sunday evening. I've loved this show. One of my favourites. Thank you guys for coming on. And as I always Thank say, you. one family and always Arsenal. Good night, everyone. My intro is... Sports Social Podcast Network.